Amen. 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 All right. Hey, so I was so, this thing is upside down. I was going to take a little hiatus from uh, Judges, from Judges chapter 8 tonight. So basically in the, from our Easter message on Sunday, we, I only covered about half of the material that I had. So I figured why not just cover the other half? It's still fresh. And, uh, and so a couple things. And I, I think for me personally, guys, the impact of the resurrection. I think it's it's every Easter, right? Easter is the biggest Sunday of the year for us as a church, for me as a pastor, for us as Christians, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crowning, defining moment of Christianity. It's really what separates us from every other ism, schism thing out there. Are you guys familiar with Frank Turek? Frank Turek is one of the um, nation's leading Christian apologists. He travels um, to college campuses and different forums all over the United States to, um, you know, and they, they try to invite not a lot of non-Christians and atheists and scientists and really smart people. And he lectures and then he takes questions from the audience and he, he'll debate and he's debated um, Christopher Hitchens on multiple occasions and um, his name is Frank Turek. You can, you can check out his stuff. He, he has multiple books out there. One of his books, I think his most famous book books is I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Yeah. And then, so that's Frank Turek, if you're interested in apologetics. And then the other one, obviously, Ravi Zacharias is another one that I would say is probably between the two of them, two of our leading apologists in the United States, at least that have a, a really big online, um, presence. But, um, Frank Turek in, in his apologetics, one of the things that he shares with the non-believers and with the atheists and with a lot of folks is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's one of the key points of everything bounces off of, everything stems from the, the, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and again, the, the gravity of it, and, and hopefully it's not the first time it's ever hit me, but it definitely hit me in preparing this week that, that you know, and I think it goes to illustrate the point just a little bit. But, you know, if you, if somebody, there, there's lots of false religions out there, right? There's, there's lots of isms and schisms. And I don't care where, you know, something that's right here close to home or something that's, that's in India or something that's, you know, that, that's all over the world with different beliefs and different, you know, and, and I can remember being a, uh, I can remember being a non-Christian and, and my, one of my best friends growing up was a guy named Mike Chow. And Mike Chow uh, moved here from Taiwan in, uh, at four years old. And his family was Buddhist. And, uh, you know, at the time, we would, we would go back and forth a little bit. Me not being a Christian or knowing nothing about God or the Bible. But, you know, it was kind of like I, I had to pick one as a kid, right? And so I picked a Christian. I'm a Christian. You know, it was kind of what my would closely, I mostly identify with. And he would tell me, how can a billion Chinese people be wrong? And, and that... that question always kind of got me in the argument as a kid, you know, and it wasn't until lots and lots of years later as a Christian that, you know, God spoke to me the answer to that question, you know, but the, the question is very valid and, and whether, first of all, there's not a billion Buddhists, okay, so a billion Chinese people aren't wrong. There's actually more Christians in China than there are Buddhists, but if somebody asks you as a believer, how do I know what's right? There's so much out there. Well, the one thing that separates Jesus and Christianity from every other belief system in the world is that Jesus died and rose again. You know, and, and you know, like I, the joke I tell is, 
you know, if, if, if you want to start a false religion, I'll follow your religion. Like, I'll sign up. I'll be your first, your first person to convert to whatever new religion you want to start. All you have to do is, you know, die a brutal death, lay in a grave, and we'll put dirt on you for, for three days, and then rise again and start walking around. Then I'll, I'll be your first convert. All you got to do is kill yourself and, you know, and, and raise again the third day. But the reality that that actually happened. Like, if, if somebody could do that or would do that today, like, would you follow them? You might think, well, yeah, you know. The, the reality of the resurrection, you know, and the message on Sunday was that that, that gravity, and, and first of all, the historical, the archaeological, the, um, the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection, it's one of the most provable events in human history. The evidence is there. Now, obviously, because it's 2,000 years ago, we don't have some of the, the type of evidential markers that, that we might have with something like World War II or World War I. But the, the one that I use, and I stole it from J. Vernon McGee, um, J. Vernon McGee in his commentary this week, he says that there's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for the battle, Napoleon's famous Battle of Waterloo. And that's just a, just a fact. There's just more um, scriptural and, and um, evidence for, written evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But nobody um, challenges or nobody wants to disprove or disbelieve in things like the Battle of Waterloo. But there's way more evidence for the resurrection. I was talking to a guy yesterday in Home Depot and, uh, and God wanted me to talk to him. It was uh, about seven o'clock last night. I was working on the a faucet in the boys' shower that broke and I had to run to Home Depot and buy a part and um, was just trying to get home. And I was on my phone. I was talking to my brother, I think, when I got in there. And I passed this gentleman on the way in and he waved at me and I stopped and I turned and he was kind of like waiting for me to engage him. And I just said, hey, how you doing? And I kept walking and was doing what I was doing. And then I was almost on the phone for probably 10 more minutes as I was shopping and got off the phone, found what I needed and was headed towards the door. And I saw him a second time. And this time I wasn't on my phone and, and he stopped me and I could tell he needed to talk. And so we ended up standing there in Home Depot for 45 minutes and talking. And, you know, by the end of it, we had our hands on each other's shoulders and we're praying in Home Depot, which was way cool. But, but you know, for him, because this message was so fresh, you know, I was able just to share with him again that the, the reality is for your life. Like if, if Jesus rose from the grave, if Jesus is alive today, and that's why that was so powerful to me on Sunday. You know, we shared that in the seven o'clock service, maybe in the 10 as well, that the fact that Jesus is alive like that, that changes everything, you know, that changes the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It impacts everybody's life. Do you know why we have evolution? We, we don't have evolution because it's a, it's a solid science. The science, the evolutionary science is terrible. And the, and the farther and the more technological we get today, it has so many holes in it. You know, in the seventies and eighties, it was a little more powerful than it is today. Today, that even the leading scientists are saying, you know, they're even getting to the point now where they won't won't admit in in uh, Jesus or God, but they're saying that there has to be some kind of AI, some kind of artificial intelligence, something higher. That there's just too many problems with scientific problems with evolution, and we don't have evolution. And evolution's not strong because it's a good science. You know, the, the power behind evolution and, and the thrust behind evolution that's brought it to it is how could you have something that's a theory that is so scientifically bad that, 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 that we believe as a nation, as a country, as a world, 
We teach it in every one of our colleges. There's one reason. Because what evolution did was it solved a, a problem that men have. If, if there's a God, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If there's a God, if, as, as history tells us, that, that there was a character named Jesus Christ who was a real person who walked on planet Earth. You know, I, I have his name written in my Bible in one of these places. But um, one of the leading um, atheist um, scholars and lecturers, he tells his students on a regular basis, stop arguing that Jesus didn't exist. It is a weak intellectual argument and it makes our community look dumb. Stop saying Jesus didn't live. You cannot back that up. You cannot prove that. that that's terrible. It's, it's so easily proved that, that Jesus lived. So instead of saying he didn't live, say he wasn't God or he wasn't who he said he was or, you know, yeah, he was a, because you can't, you can't intellectually back up that argument. So God created, so there's a God. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. Now, now, if you want to um, admit to, that any of those are true, it begs a second question. Am I then responsible to that God? Am I then accountable to that creator? And h- how many of you guys in here want to go to bed every night knowing that you're going to die and go to hell? Nobody? Of course not. No, nobody wants to feel like how many of you guys just want to feel every day like you're a terrible person, like you're just a bad person? Nobody? Of course not, right? Nobody wants to feel, we don't want to feel like we're bad people. I don't care how bad we are. You know, you know I'm sure to some degree Hitler thought he was a good person in his own mind. You asked him, I bet you had a conversation with Hitler. He, he would honestly feel like he's a good person. Everybody wants to feel like they're a good person. Everybody wants to feel like there's hope for their future And so what evolution did was it gave man a break from their conscience to where rather than have to wrestle with the idea, am I responsible to this God? You can lie to yourself enough and lie to yourself enough that you you don't have to believe in God. You just say there's no God. And what does that do? Well, the science is terrible, but it helps me sleep a little better at night. I don't feel as bad when I sleep with my neighbor's wife or I do this or I do that or I commit crimes or I do things that, that, that are against God and, and, and it covers my conscience. You, know, you see what I'm saying? And, and so what men have done, and this is what Romans chapter 1 is all about, is we've created a, a, a lie that we have to believe that avoids us answering the question, the impact that if Jesus rose from again from the grave, what does that mean for your life on a day-to-day basis? All right, so with that, we should actually read some Bible tonight, huh? With that, um, there, there's a couple of places, um, again, and you guys can do this stuff for yourself. It's kind of fun, but resurrection, the idea of resurrection in the Bible. One of the things that I was so blessed by on, on Sunday was... Bible says that, that God, one of, the, one of the plans of God is to resurrect us. Now, as far as the resurrection go, the Bible says there's two resurrections. There's a first resurrection and there's a second resurrection. Now, if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of the first resurrection. And you don't, you're not there for the second resurrection. Because at the second resurrection is the great white throne judgment. And and those are raised up and and they will give account for their life. But anybody who's present in that judgment or in the great white throne judgment, they they don't go to heaven. 
what the Bible says. You can read that in Revelation 21, 2021. And so that's called the second res- resurrection or the second death. So you've ever heard that old saying, if, you, if you're born twice, you only die once. Born physically and then born again spiritually, you only die once. That's your physical death and then you never die again. But if you were only born once, then you die twice. You die physically when you breathe your last and your second death is, is the resurrection um, the, at the great white throne judgment. The second resurrection is the second death where your body and your soul is cast into hell for eternity. And so... So the idea that, that God, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a minute. Let's start there. I've got just a couple of places I want to show you. 1 Corinthians 15, and then Philippians 3.10, and 1 Peter 1.3. So Philippians 3.10, I'm just going to read it, and then Peter, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians 15. But I'll start with 1 Peter, because I'm there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through, anybody get to First Peter yet? Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So how has God begotten us again to a living hope? It's through the resurrection. It's, it's the power of the resurrection and it's through the resurrection. And again, without the resurrection, what does Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians? We read it on Sunday. Of all people, we are the most pitiable. Of all people, we're the lamest because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have a leg to stand on. But with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have all the power of God in the world and all the truth of God because Jesus rose from the grave, absolutely changes everything. And the apostles, every one of them, all the disciples, all the New Testament writers, somewhere in their writing, they, every one of them touch on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power thereof and the, the, what it does and just how important it is to our faith that Jesus rose from the grave. So that's, that's one just example of, of Peter. There's several in the book of, of, of Peter that are really good. Another one I really like is in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And now it's Paul. And Paul, in talking about the resurrection, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You guys don't like that part, the fellowship of his suffering. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And so... um, that again, this is to know him and Christ crucified. We say that often, you know, I want to know, know Jesus, know him and, and him crucified and resurrected. And so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So, so Peter, right? He tells us, um, the living hope through the resurrection. Paul tells us that, that he wants to know God through the power. Somebody say power. Don't have me start flexing in here tonight. Um, Through the power, the word power is what in the Greek? Dunamis, the way where we get our English word dynamite from. So the dynamite power, the explosive power of the Holy Spirit, and and then also this power of the resurrection. And so, again, I think just that's the emphasis that there's a power in your life and in my life as Christians that, that Jesus rose from the grave. And, and that the power of the resurrection. Now, how, how do we apply that to our lives? What, do, what does all this mean for you? How do you, how do you, how, how do you use this? How do you, you know, basically, I think one of the most simple things is, is something that you need to share as a part of your faith. You know, because it was so fresh, 
But, but do you realize every sermon that Paul preaches in the book of Acts, except for one, and it didn't end up well, the focus of Paul's sermon is the resurrection. Am I lying? You have to read the whole book of Acts to find out. Actually, I'll, 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 uh, I'll bite off a few chapters. Paul doesn't even get introduced until chapter 9. His ministry doesn't really start until about chapter 11. So read from 11 on and, and, and go through the sermons that Paul preached and find one where he doesn't talk about the resurrection. Or find a bunch where he doesn't talk about the resurrection and then I'm lying. But every one of his sermons, save one, the, the focus is the resurrection. So, you know, when you share, when you, um, you know, when you're discouraged, when you um, are going through something, you can just know that Jesus rose from the grave and the power. And, and listen, we sing that song, right? It's one of the popular songs we're singing right now. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave does what? Lives in us. And it's that, that power of the resurrection that abides in you, that lives in you, that resides in you, that empowers you, that, you know, and again, J- Jeremy Camp wrote that song. And, and really when you read, when you read, he wrote it right off the pages of Romans. It's like, we're singing the, the, the pages of Romans when we, when we're singing that song, you know, that, that the same power and it's that power of the resurrection. As Paul tells us in Philippians chapter three and verse 10, the power of the resurrection. And, and again, you know, as a witnessing tool, 